welcome to My Story, a podcast that dives into the personal stories of people who have struggled with opioid addiction. This podcast is supported by Stand for Recovery, a nonprofit that helps find and pay for recovery treatment of individuals who are left without any options from their insurance providers or government programs. It's a great cause. And if you've been following any of the news lately about opioid addiction, you probably know that this is a big issue. So it's good that Stand for Recovery exists as a platform to help. If you wanna help Stand for Recovery pay and support individuals in need, like the people we talk to in this podcast, please call 1-800-874-0134 or go to standforrecovery.org and click donate. That's the word stand, the number four, the word recovery.org. There's no minimum and every bit helps. This week, our guest is Steven who has struggled with opioid addiction since an early age and had a bright sports career ahead of him. We are going to hear what led him down this path, what the consequences were of his addiction, like the fallout with his family and friends, and how he overcame it through a scholarship program in California, but not without some incredible hardships, loss and overdoses. It's a heartfelt story and I'm glad Steven had the courage to share it with us. Without further ado, here is Steven's story. Uh, my name is Steven Gardino. I'm 24 years old. I was born in Newburgh, New York. In the beginning of my life, I was uh, working with my dad in construction. And uh, I moved to Florida, and I was a manager for a moving company. When I was, when I was growing up, I always wanted to be into the military. That's what, that's what I really wanted to do. Uh, yeah, I just looked up to people that uh, were serving the country and uh, helping people out like that. Uh, I was actually uh, really good in high school. I got good grades, everything. I had to keep my grades up for sports, so I played football, wrestling, and lacrosse, so I was always an uh, athlete, and I was always studying and trying to maintain a good atmosphere in school. Even though me and my dad didn't get along too well, he still let me have parties at the house every weekend, so everybody was always at my house and having a good time. When my parents were younger, they were doing a lot of uh, like crack and coke, mesk. Uh, my dad stopped, he's, he's been clean for a bunch of years. Uh, my mom, she didn't stop. She was smoking weed, drinking, uh, still taking painkillers, Xanax, a bunch of stuff. Still to this day, she takes a bunch. She's, she said she's slowing down, but she still does a lot of that stuff. We didn't, my family doesn't really talk too much. We're not really that close. My parents were always fighting and uh, I always kind of felt alone. I stayed by myself. I had a lot of friends coming over, but it's, it still didn't really help me out too much. Um, when I was growing up, I had somebody really close to me die. It was like a father figured me because everything was crazy in my house. So I figured I had to get away. He lived across the street. We'd always go to like diesel nationals or go to like some kind of car event and I couldn't really deal with my emotions. I wasn't talking to anybody about it, and that's what kind of veered me off in the wrong path. I just didn't really care too much anymore. I was 17 when he passed away. He I, I just kept saying he didn't even make it to my 18th birthday. One of my buddies told me, hey, you should try this, it's really good, and I said, okay. Uh, he was like, uh, you, you can't just take it though, you have to sniff it, and I, that's that's when it all started. I started sniffing painkillers and it took me on a long, dark road. 
I felt like I was numb. Like I was numb to everything around me. I just didn't care anymore. I didn't, I just felt alone. I didn't, I was suppressing my feelings. I didn't even want to think about what was going on in my life. I was, uh, I, I, I think I was doing pretty good in sports, but I don't think I could have, I was doing my best that I could have done because I was just so clouded all the time in school and everything that I was doing. It just, it just kind of goes away until it comes back and then it's like twice as worse when it comes back. Once my good friends found out that I started using, uh, they all like veered away. They all wanted me to get help. They didn't want me to do it because we were all really close. So they were trying to get me help and I just didn't want it at the time. In 12th grade, I told myself that I would never get addicted to the painkillers when I was taking them, but I never stopped taking them. And uh, when I got out of high school, uh, I felt alone again and the painkillers just got so expensive that I couldn't afford them anymore, so I moved on to other substances. I started doing heroin. Um, I started drinking a lot, doing a little bit of coke here and there. And once I started doing heroin, it was just getting in trouble, getting arrested, going to jail. My life was uh, completely unmanageable. When I was 20 years old, I started uh, stealing and a bunch of just stupid things that have uh, messed my life up. I've been, I went to jail for uh, stealing when I was 20. It was, uh, I was taking checks from my dad and I was cashing them. I've done it before and he was, he told me if I, if I ever done it again that he was gonna have to do something about it. And I'd done it again because I couldn't stop. I was still working with him um, and it just wasn't enough money to support my habit at the time. So I took more checks and I spent a year in jail. That was definitely my lowest point because I felt like my whole family disowned me. Right when I got out of jail, I spent um, a little bit of time with my aunt in Connecticut. And I, after two months of living with her, I had nobody around. I kind of, I, I use when I feel alone, I use when I'm really happy. So I was alone and I didn't know what else to do, so I just I just went back out when I was in Connecticut for the two months that I was there. So I decided to go to into treatment in New York. I went to um, I went to the treatment in New York. Then I uh, went to Florida. I was clean in Florida for the eighteen months. That's when I got my car, job, fiance. Everything was really good. So right when things were starting to get good, I, I was in the sober living home. I started uh, working the first week that I was there. I met my fiance, my girlfriend, which was is now my fiance, in the uh, in the sober living home. She's not in the program. She's not an alcoholic or an addict. So uh, I told her right away what what I was doing and how I actually got to Florida. And uh, she accepted me for who I was. And I never had anybody in my life accept me for who I was. And that felt really good. I've always felt like I've deserved nothing in my life for the things that I've done to my family and my friends. So I started, I started using, I, uh, I got kicked out of my apartment for taking things from the neighbor. My landlord found out, they kicked me out. Um, I started sleeping in my car, taking a shower at the gym. Uh, my boss 
at the time he wanted me to uh, get clean and then come back to work. So I kind of, my job was on pause. I, I didn't have any money and I was just, my life was just unmanageable at the time. And uh, I was trying to get into treatment, but I didn't have insurance. So I called over a hundred places to try to get into treatment because I know the only way that I can get clean and sober is going to a drug treatment program. My job at the time didn't give me health insurance and I was not willing to just wait on a waiting list. I called so many places in Florida and none of them would take somebody without insurance and none of them would give you a scholarship. My decision to come to California was because I couldn't get a place in Florida to take me. Um, but it was, it was all worth it because I knew I was coming to a 90-day treatment program. I never heard of a scholarship program that's going to give you free time and treatment. I tried for so long to get into a treatment program that I, I, just, I just thought it was impossible for somebody to get uh, a scholarship for a program. Um, when I was uh, clean and sober in Florida for the 18 months, uh, my life was great. Uh, I just want to get back to that point because I know, I know a life of using is just misery, pain, torture, and it's jail, institutions, and death, and I don't want any of that for my life. I'm an addict. That's, that's basically it. I, um, once I get it in my mind that my life sucks or my life is too good, I need, a, I need to go use. And if I don't have the program in my life, I'm gonna go do that. I actually have uh, four months clean and sober today. I'm actually currently looking for a job in moving or construction. So that's my next steps. There is an option to go back to Florida. Um, my fiance is still there, um, but I wanna be here for at least a year and get my life actually back on track, save money, pay, pay off stuff that I've, the debts that I've uh, got while I was using. I just, I just want to say without this uh, um, scholarship program, I'd be dead or in prison right now. And I want to thank everybody that's helped me in my life. Oh, everything in my life, I always felt alone and nobody ever showed me any love. And once I got that by meeting my fiance in Florida, I know that there's a better life out there than using and doing this, these drugs. There are others like Steven, all with incredible stories of loss, love, and the strength to overcome one of the greatest epidemics of this age, opioid addiction. As this miniseries dives into those stories, I hope it gives you some insight on what our government and health insurance companies are not doing to help. If you want to help people like Stephen fight this battle against opioid addiction, I encourage you to go to standforrecovery.org and donate. That's the word stand, the number four, and the word recovery org, or call 1-800-874-0134 if you know someone who needs help. Stand for Recovery helps those with addiction when the larger systems have failed to help. Stand for Recovery is a nonprofit that places those who truly want to be free of addiction in treatment centers around the country. Next week, we'll hear Rodney's story. It starts in Puerto Rico and leads to New York where he struggles with his identity in a neighborhood that encourages violence and drug use that leads him on a journey toward addiction. If you like this show, please leave us a review on iTunes so others can find us. See you next week on My Story.